0: What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another week of BDE, Big Digital Energy. Let's get right into it.
1: Boom. All right, Colin, story number one. Oil field service in hell. <laughs> Colin, I've always said that oil field service is EMP on steroids. When EMP is doing well, oil field service through the roof and vice versa. The past 18 months, oil field service has been in hell. I was reading a Tudor Pickering Holt report that said out of the 18 OFS companies in their coverage universe, 10 of them missed Q3 earnings. Four of them were in line, but only four of them beat it. And expectations are pretty low. So that's, <laughs> that, that really sucks. That said, we've seen activity pop up. Moore's always gigging me, and Mark is always gigging me about the uh, the rig rates on Friday. So we've seen that pick up. And then Noble and Maersk merged to create a $3.4 billion drilling behemoth. Colin, what's going on in oil field service and particularly offshore?
0: Yeah, well, I think the uh, intro to OFS hell is perfect introduction to anything OFS. And you come from OFS, like, so it's just like, never a good time to be in ofs so you're a ofs hand or ofs company but yeah this uh big deal in the offshore drilling space is pretty interesting to me so uh personal story you know let's take it back to 2014 i was bullish on offshore drillers and you know everyone on uh twitter all of these uh, kids all these damn millennials are like
1: buy the fucking
0: dip Tell you right now what happens when you buy the dip, and the dip doesn't ever come back up. So <laughs> this is uh, a you chart. You buy the dip shit. Yeah, you buy the dip <laughs> shit. This is a chart from uh, Transocean back in uh, 2014 timeframe. I started buying it. You know, I was really bullish on Transocean and offshore drillers. I started buying around thirty-seven dollars, and you can see over the uh, subsequent <laughs> years it goes down to three dollars. And guess what? I kept buying all the way down and bought the dip, and the dip just stayed there permanently so uh offshore drillers you know just been getting hammered since 2014 and really just haven't recovered and you know i got a funny story i've told this on on the internet a few times but i also had stock in hercules which goes bankrupt okay funny thing is is i was working as an ofs hand at the time so i'm out on a hercules rig they filed for bankruptcy and we're drilling a well for energy 21 who just filed bankruptcy as well and so for lunch they were feeding us uh, boiled turkey necks and uh peanuts and <laughs> i was just like what the hell is going on out here like that was how bad times were And anyways, you start looking at, okay, we really never got out of that depression in the offshore drilling space. So it makes sense that you're starting to see this, not starting. I mean, we've been seeing this uh, consolidation in the drilling space. So uh, Noble Drilling actually filed for bankruptcy in 2020, we reemerged out of bankruptcy, um, acquired Pacific Drilling earlier this year in March 2021. And then uh, obviously we have this uh, subsequent acquisition here with Maersk. And if you look at the stock chart for Noble, I mean, the market seems to be uh, responding positively to all the moves that they're making, you know, or up almost you know 6 6.3% over the last 6 months so something's working
1: for noble you know it's better than uh, being in <laughs>
0: bankruptcy so well
1: i mean i'm hearing sentiment for international offshore is good and at least you know the merger obviously 125 million dollars of synergies a year big deal but also if you want to go deal with large international companies you need to be bigger yeah scale scale matters yeah
0: and i think you know when people look at ofs you know you're looking at your Halliburtons and slumberjays and those types because people are bullish on the international stage and so it's always going to be the big companies that are the winners there so yeah be interesting to see you know i feel like i'm like kind of getting bullish offshore drillers but like don't I'm, do I'm it like, I Learned a hard lesson last less time so <laughs> you gotta keep me from doing it
1: hey colin <laughs> i used to always tell my investors when you feel like giving me the money, don't. When you don't feel like giving me the money, go ahead and give me the you money. Yeah, play opposite of your intuition. So, anyways,
0: let's get into our next story because we have uh, some news over in the mineral space. All right, Chuck. Had two big deals announced this week. In the mineral and royalty space, which tends to be, uh, you know, just kind of a a boring space sometimes. Just I like to throw (laughs) shots at the land man. I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) So first we had Brigham Minerals pay approximately $100 million for a package of 8,400 net acres in Weld County, Colorado, right in the heart of the DJ Basin. And second was Kimball Royalty Partners made a $57 million acquisition of Permian, Midcontinent, and Haynesville properties Nice little action going on in the mineral world. What's happening over there? So
1: so when you look at the Brigham deal, this is the largest deal they've announced since they went public. And you do all your minerals 101 stuff. You look and you see PDC, you see Chevron Oxy being the underlying operators. They've got rigs going on it. You look at the Kimball package. It's about 39% Permian, 31% Midcon, and then 14% Haynesville. You know, the the old school guy on his deathbed used to say to the family, whatever you do, don't sell the minerals, right? Companies would sell the minerals when they needed drilling dollars or something for an acquisition or whatever. Individuals actually would sell minerals more based on life events. And so kid goes off to college. I got to pay for college. I wrecked my truck. I got to get a new truck. There's also a whole element of mineral buyers and sellers that use minerals for a 1031 exchange. Like if you develop a real estate property, you sell it, you buy minerals because you do the 1031, you can defer the taxes. So where I'm going with all that is there really is a lot less beta at play in the mineral world with transactions. You know, you'd think, oil's at 140, ought to sell my minerals type stuff. Less of that than you really think. The one thing I'm hearing from mineral people out there is on these recent sales that are happening in, in the mineral space, sellers are actually saying energy transitions playing a part of it. I.e., we're not gonna need oil and gas in ten years. I better sell my minerals. And that's the first time I've heard that. Oh, that's kind
0: of crazy. So the mineral owners think that they're coming on the tail end of the oil and gas. And so they're like, Hey, I better cash out while they're worth something.
1: Yeah. Which is which is
0: interesting. And that's also interesting from a perspective of mineral buyers, these funds and uh, other mineral buyers that are in the market. Because for the past what you know decade, it's really been a seller's market, <laughs> and you know these guys have been cashing out. So now, if they're coming and saying, "Oh, hey, we're in an energy transition; we need to liquidate," a little bit of leverage is going to shift over to the to the buyers.
1: Yeah, no, it will be interesting, but I'm a firm believer in what Charlie Munger says, we're going to use every single hydrocarbon on this planet before it's all (laughs) said and done. I agree. All right. I hate to do this, but we shall. we got a new segment we're going to bring in this week. It's called Nailed It. All right. It was right here at this table just a week ago. Colin, you said something very perspective, perceptive. Let's go to the videotape so that we can give you your victory.
0: Who you are. The guy's a genius, right? I think that he's playing, he's playing chess here with the feds. You know, there's a lot of talk about unrealized gain taxes, and it's just the most bizarre and ludicrous you know, proposal out there, right? And Elon's saying, hey, look, guys. I don't take a cash salary. I don't have any bonuses. The only way that I can pay taxes on my unrealized gains is to sell stock. And guess what? If I sell stock in Tesla, it's going to take down the entire fucking market. So that's what I feel like he's doing. All right. All
1: right, Colin, go ahead and gloat, my friend.
0: I want y'all to know how much it kills Chuck to let me take my victory lap on, uh, on the show. So, yeah, I mean, this is how I saw it. I saw that Elon, you know, was not just having this surface level event where he's like, okay, I'm going to liquidate my stock and I'm going to use this poll as a um, catalyst for that. He's playing with the feds and the guy has so much leverage and he's just using it to toy with these guys. So let's look at what he said to Bernie Sanders uh, a couple days ago. Was this yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. So Bernie Sanders tweets out, "We must demand that the extremely wealthy pay their fair share." Period. Elon Musk replies, "I keep forgetting that you're still alive," <laughs> 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 which is funny. Like that was a, like that's a good high key burn. Yeah. Elon follows up and says, "Want me to sell more stock? Burning? Just say the word." That's when I sent a screenshot to you. I was like, "I fucking told you <laughs> last week that that's what he was doing. He's playing with these guys." and you know i i think that the funniest part about this bernie and uh elon exchange is that there's this dichotomy between like there's a huge overlap between elon fanboys and bernie sander fanboys and so now they're having to sit there and they're stressed out like i go and read the comments and they're like hey elon i love you man but bernie's cool you know i i don't like this (laughs) and so all of these people on Twitter are having this kind of identity crisis. It's mom and dad (laughs) fighting at Thanksgiving. (laughs) It is 100%. So, you know, well, uh, I don't think Elon stops here. You know, I think I'm going to make another prediction here. Oh,
1: let's do this.
0: AOC's next. He's coming after AOC. AOC. He's coming after AOC. So he's about to dunk on her sometime, uh, we'll call it before the end of the year, I call an AOC
1: dunk by AOC dunk, I like Elon. it. I did see one thing on Twitter that actually was pretty good about this too. Elon Musk has always played the political win, sucked up to Obama, got his loans when Tesla needed the loans. I think it's pretty easy to see in the tea leaves. You've got 2022, the Republicans taking the House and the Senate back. Why not dunk on Bernie? <laughs> I mean, you know? it's, it's asymmetric right now. He has nothing to exactly, lose. So. Exactly. All right. And what makes it even worse with our new segment, Nailed It? You get two. So we I'll give had, you two props. We had so two victory laps. We had two the
0: second, the second lap of the victory laps.
1: So Colin, this morning it was announced that Royal Dutch Shale said adios to the Hague and they're going to move to London. I guess actually I should look up Dutch instead of speaking Spanish <laughs> yeah. on audios. What's uh what's Dutch for screw you guys, I'm out of here. But uh <laughs> anyway, and just to prove they weren't petty, they're gonna go ahead and just drop Royal Dutch from their name and be known as Shell. of the name too. So Colin, please gloat about
0: the shell call. All right, let me pull up the tweet as the evidence. What was this? May twenty sixth. I dropped the breaking news, which was satire at the time, but, you know, everything is based on an element of truth. I said, breaking, shell to move HQ to Texas. This was immediately following their uh, court-ordered mandate that they had to cut uh, emissions by 2030. And I was like, "That's an easy problem to solve. You just move (laughs) HQ to a different country. It's not going to put that mandate on you." So um, I think that they should have still moved to Houston, um, got out of Europe. But you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out for them. You know, I, I don't know what the if there's a massive benefit for them moving to London. You know, I don't know what the thinking was behind that, but.
1: They're Europeans—they couldn't go too far. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to Texas. But you know, this does bring up a serious point, Colin, that we need to be thinking about Nike, Microsoft. Think the great American consumer companies. Can Nike really say, "I don't like the regime in America"? Screw it, I'm moving. Probably not. I mean, they'd—you know—they get enough haters because of Kaepernick, but they'd have haters if uh, they did that and went anti-America. Oil and gas company and oil barrels, an oil barrel is an oil barrel. There's no marketing there. And so it's going to be pretty easy for oil and gas companies to move wherever the hell they want. And yeah. governments need to recognize that.
0: Yeah. yeah so I, I think that that's always been something that's interesting about oil and gas because at the end of the day – like. I saw the other day, uh, Chevron did something, and one of the comments was like, Oh, I guess I won't buy- be buying my gasoline at their <laughs> gas station anymore. I was like, I don't, that's not the way it works. I don't think Chevron gives a damn. If you don't buy gas at their gas stations. I won't uh, be
1: buying my ding dongs and Mountain <laughs> Dew from their convenience store exactly. anymore. Exactly. All right. What do we got next, Chuck? So, the underappreciated story of the week. Colin, this is a good one. I had Kathleen Kelly, the oil whisperer, on the podcast last week, and basically what she said was $100 oil by the end of the year, 4 million barrels will come online next year, mainly OPEC, Ghana, Brazil. 600,000 of those barrels come from the United States. We can all debate that number. But the 4 million barrels coming online takes oil down to 50 at the end of next year. But then she said after that, all bets are off. That is all the excess capacity in the world. And so anyway, you know, there's been some commentary online. I've gotten some messages about that, whether people agree or disagree. I only saw this story one or two places this week, and I think it's kind of interesting and kind of telling. Saudi last month added nine rigs to go up to 35 rigs. So if you think about it, that's a 25-ish percent, 30% increase in their rig run. If you look, the whole Middle East has added 91 rigs over the last six months. And I realize we're from a very low base because we, in effect, all went to zero uh, during quarantine. That sure as hell doesn't sound like excess capacity to me. So I think this is something we need to be watching uh, because if Kathleen's right about that, which she's pretty smart and she usually is right, I mean... 2023 all bets you know at the i mean 2024 and on all bets could be off yeah and then we also
0: had another story in there too uh with emp's buying carbon credits so civitas which chuck and i we, we talked before the show is that how you say their name that's what it looks like civitas Also, um, civitas civitas is buying up uh carbon credits and um you know one We got to talk about the branding. I just want to talk about this. I don't even give a shit about them buying the carbon (laughs) credits. I just want to talk about their names because Civitas was, uh, it was the product of uh, Bonanza Creek and uh, extraction merging. And you got Civitas and someone has been going around the EMP world giving all of these EMPs like pharmaceutical names. Exactly. And So the Civitas. Uh, Can I get the top 10
1: rejected names by a biotech company, yeah, please? Yeah, exactly. That's Here's exactly. $100,000.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's exactly what it sounds like. Um, but, anyways, they've been buying carbon uh, credits to offset their emissions. You and I were talking about this a bit. I think it's a little. Um, it's just kind of it's a little funny um emps buying offset carbon credits it's like i don't know there's just the the whole the whole thing it's
1: like it's like bacardi sponsoring the aa meeting (laughs) exactly it's like like really you know and then i was thinking about this while you were just saying that we probably ought to start a segment on the show of what is real and what's just a press release and we'll do speed rounds things mm. like this is this real or is this a is press there actually release? any substance to it yeah, yeah i, I like mean that. i mean carbon credits what it's and an oil and gas company's buying them talk about a circle
0: yeah i mean <laughs> a, i i'm a big believer in uh any of the world solutions are gonna become uh you know they'll come from technological innovation it's not going to come from financial engineering because this is what happens in a spreadsheet. You're like, oh shit,
1: we're a green company because we're buying carbon offsets. You know, we're trading them. So, um, Colin and I are announcing today that we will do the podcast, the BDE show, in the dark for the next three weeks to generate twelve hundred million dollars of carbon got, credits. Digital Wildcatters needs to start buying offsets to you know our memes are polluting
0: the uh, airwaves <laughs> on Twitter, so we need to buy some offsets for that. But anyways, that's what we have for the week we got we got one segment to end this uh show the b d e salute. See who we're saluting this week okay, so. S- salute out to the veterans but I don't know if y'all caught that last picture that was a picture of Jake Corley a young Jake Corley minus about 60 pounds <laughs> you might not have noticed him. <laughs> that that picture went by uh, by too fast but shout out to the veterans absolutely
1: uh, absolutely I believe this in my heart of hearts there has been no bigger advocate of peace. Talking about taking down the Nazis, taking about down the Japanese in World War Two, then the US soldier and what our veterans have done to provide the freedom that we all live in. Uh we truly owe them a debt of gratitude. Absolutely. All right, guys. This is
0: this is the end of the show, man. Twenty it minutes. Is. We cut it. Like we cut it short. Short and uh short and sweet, but I think, you know, just like Right yeah, now.
1: we got to go hit Austin though. Yeah, for, uh, for New Wave. That's why we
0: pre-recorded this show. First time pre-recording it. You know, we like we love doing it live, but we're gonna be heading to Austin tomorrow. So we had to shoot it and uh, get it done today on Monday. But next week we'll be back live Tuesday, ten thirty. Guys, get in here, join the chat, uh, drop some comments, and we'll catch you then.